Clap your hands, all you people. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout. I said shout. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, did you come to have church here tonight? I'm looking at some of you. I don't, I don't think you know yet if you really came to have church. Did you come to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Did you come to give God your best praise? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. You can be seated for just a moment. Uh, while you're going down, let me say... Uh, man, it's starting to feel a little bit better around here. Amen. Thank God for these good uh, elders that have got up and testified and appreciate what they had to say. Uh, I just feel a little bit better here all of a sudden. It's feeling just a little bit tight to me. I don't know. Maybe it could, it could very well be me. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, but thank God for these men that have got up and exhorted and preached and everything else. I wish I could just say a little something and sit down too and we go eat and play basketball but I don't think the, uh, the pastor would be too happy with that. So uh, we're just going to try to obey the Holy Ghost in this service. Amen. I want God to have his way. I've said this many times. I'll say it again. I, I am not uh, interested in preaching just to preach. I'm not just interested in hearing the sound of my own voice. I'm not just looking for somewhere to preach. I know as an evangelist that may not be the proper thing to say, but it's just the truth. Uh, I want God to have his way. If God's not in it, I don't want to be in it either. I believe God's in it tonight. I said I believe God's in it tonight. I want to see somebody blessed. I want to see somebody help. Somebody encouraged in this service. Do give honor to these good men of God that are here, many of them that I know, and some of them that I do not know, and I'm looking forward to getting to know them better after service. I thank your, your kind pastor, the local pastor of this church, Brother Mays, for having me come. Uh, I, am, I am very thankful for this opportunity. He, he picked me up today at the airport, and uh, he asked me about going to get something to eat or going to the hotel. And, uh, knowing what the hour was, I was kind of undecided for just a second. And, uh, and then begin to talk, and I told him I like hamburgers, and uh, that's all it took, and uh, he took me to a place called LC's, <laughs> folks, I have been LC'd as soon as I got here, and uh, I will never be the same, I had to, I had to text some folks and say, look, in and out doesn't have anything on this, Amen. I am a burger eater and uh, had a tremendous time. Ate a double big deal. Amen. So I, I really appreciate that. Thank you for the comfortable room. Uh, everything is just so right, and uh, we really appreciate that. I, I really do I want to be a blessing here tonight, if I can, uh, to this church and to those that are visiting here. God bless you. Thank you for having me. Good to see Sister Juliet Stevenson. Amen. Everybody won't understand this, but uh, I, I have been so excited, uh, looking forward to coming and seeing her. And if I can say this without, you know, anybody taking it the wrong way, she looks better than ever. 
Amen. She got the Holy Ghost in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, she re got it here. Thank you. She re got it here. And she is doing so good. I'm so glad, glad to see her here. Never forget the first time she came to our church uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we didn't know anything about her, of course, at least I mean, most of us didn't. I remember her coming through the back door. I was a teenager at the time. She came, invited, I forget who invited her, but she came. I was young, so please forgive me, and I was single, and I looked and said, oh, my goodness. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. Look at here. Amen. That was B.C., before Carmen, my wife. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. But I'm glad she's here. Appreciate the work of God's mercy. Anybody thankful for God's mercy? Are you thankful for the mercy of God? Amen. Well, stand with me. We're going to go to the word of the Lord, the book of First Samuel, chapter number 30. I don't mind telling you that I have, I don't know if wrestled is the word or juggled different things around, been praying about this service for some time. Uh, we take every service seriously. Uh, here tonight, I just... I'm going to obey God, feel to talk about this. First Samuel chapter number 30. Again, thank you, Brother Mays, for having me come. And I know that there's there's some goodies and all this stuff after me, so uh, I will try to be mindful of the time. First Samuel chapter 30, verse number 1. First Samuel chapter 30, verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women, the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. It says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Amen. I want to take the title from verse number six here tonight. The Bible says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And I want to preach here tonight for about five hours on this very simple thought. <laughs> Amen. Encourage thyself, then recover all. Encourage thyself, then recover all. If you'll place your Bibles down and help me pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. 
Thank you for your grace. Father, I'm asking you right now to anoint my mind, anoint my lips of clay, God, to speak as your oracle, speak as your mouthpiece to this thy people. Touch in a mighty way, God. Add a blessing to your word. Anoint the ears of the hearers, anoint our hearts that we may receive with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save our souls. And Father God, we will be careful to give you all the glory. We'll give you all the praise. Everybody shout in Jesus' name. Clap your hands one more time before you're seated. Praise God, praise God. God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. The church is one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to you and I and lost humanity. Uh, not only does God pull us out of a world of sin, and grant us the gift of repentance. You begin to think about the whole plan of salvation. It is so much that, that God gives. We talk about the gift of the Holy Ghost, and uh, there is a lot to be said of that. But God also gives us the gift of repentance. Amen. You cannot repent on your own. God has to give you the gift of repentance. God has to put it in your heart to be convicted, to feel bad about the life that you're living. Amen. To look at your, your lifestyle, to look at your habits and say, there's got to be a better life than this. And God gives you the gift of repentance. And then, and then we move on and we, most of us here, no doubt, have been baptized uh, in the lovely name of Jesus to wash our sins away. And we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. And thank God for this wonderful plan of salvation. Let me stop before I move on here and say this, that there is only one way to be saved. The Bible teaches one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Uh, there's not two or three different ways to be saved. The Bible doesn't preach about shaking a preacher's hand to be saved. It does not talk about repeating a sinner's prayer. It does not talk about receiving the right hand of fellowship. But if you want to be saved, Jesus Christ told Nicodemus, except a man be born again of the water and of the spirit, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. Amen. It feels good to know that we are on the scripture when it comes to the plan of salvation. But, but beyond that, God does not just stop there and give us the Holy Ghost and say, well, you know what? I'm so glad that you're part of my family and that you just go on and do your best to serve me and hopefully I'll see you by and by. That's not the way it works. But God gives us the wonderful, beautiful gift of the church. Now understand with me, I, I, I know that we as individuals, the Bible says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. I understand that, that we as people, as individuals, make up the church. And that you can actually have church without being in a church building. Amen. You can feel the Holy Ghost, and I've done it, driving down the road in your car. And the Holy Ghost can just enter, it seems like, through the side window. And you can begin to feel the presence of God, and chills begin to go up and down your spine. And before you know it, tears are streaming down your face. And you talk, you just take church with you because you are the church. 
You can, you can have church in the grocery store. You can have church in the parking lot. You can have church in your house. You can have church in your prayer closet. Amen. All you got to do is get your mind on Jesus. And the song said, let's have church. We as individuals, we make up the church. But I do believe that there is something to be said about the actual church building and congregating together with brothers and sisters of like precious faith as we are doing here tonight. Amen. It has been mentioned several times that this is a safe place. Amen. This is what I'm talking about. We have the blessing of a safe place. Amen. The church of the living God. Amen. God never gave anybody the Holy Ghost to freestyle. Amen. To just go off and do their own thing. Amen. Acts chapter 2 tells us after they received the Holy Ghost that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, amen, and in fellowship. This ain't what I want to preach about, amen, but guess what? We also need some godly fellowship. I've seen too many people, they don't have time to fellowship with church folks. They don't have time to say praise the Lord and hug somebody's neck and shake somebody's hand. If you're not fellowshipping with the people of God, you're fellowshipping with somebody. You ain't got time to hang around after church, amen, and, and tell somebody, brother, God bless you. I love your sister. Amen. It's so good to be a part of the church. Something is wrong with you. I've seen person after person, amen, come to church and begin to isolate themselves. And the Bible clearly teaches that no man is an island unto himself. You need each other. Believe it or not, I need you and you need me. You need the person sitting next to you. You need your brother. You need your sister. It's the job of the adversary to divide and conquer. When you get off by yourself, that's when the devil can come and begin to plant little thoughts in your mind. That's when the adversary can come and pull you away from the house of God. But they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. Amen. They, they, they kept on coming to church. Bible says, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. As the manner of some is. Uh, we don't need less church. I think we need more church. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. All the days of my life. Now, I don't know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get in any trouble here tonight. This is my first service. But the way I was raised, and, and Sister Juliet can vouch for this, amen, when it's church time, everybody's supposed to be there. I know this is 2012, and, and, and things have advanced, and, and no doubt, you know, so maybe some things have changed. But the way I was raised, unless you had a sickness that was, that was going to cause you to die, or it was just very, very contagious. When the doors of the church opened up, you better be there. And guess what? You better be on time. <laughs> I'm not talking about on time for church. I'm talking about on time for prayer. 
to take you back. It's been many services that during press service, my dad is walking back and forth and he's praying. And the back door is back here and somebody rolls in about 7.05. And I see him do just like this right here. And you sit back and say, boy, somebody about to get crucified tonight. They five minutes. Some of you say, oh, that's extreme. That's over the limit. He's, he's a dictator. He's a tyrant. No, he's just serious about having church. He's serious about having a move of God. I know this is a service for young people, but I got to just throw this in. Do you get to work on time? And when you're not going to be there, do you call your boss up and let them know? You know why you do that? Because you want to get paid. You want to get those greenbacks. Guess what? What goes on here is determining whether or not you go to heaven or hell. If you show due diligence on your job, how much more so should you show it in the house of God and the kingdom of God? God forbid that you don't have enough respect for your man of God not to let him know when you're not going to be in church. Be seated. That's not what I want to preach about. That's just, that's just the way I was raised. Amen. When the church doors opened, we were going to be there. And when we came, we came to have church. We came to clap our hands. We came to lift our voice. We came to run the aisles. No matter who's singing, no matter what the song is, we just come to have church. Amen. Anymore nowadays, church has become optional for so many people. If I get there, fine. If I don't, don't ask me where I've been. I don't want to throw off on anybody, but in my travels, I don't know, I've been evangelizing for five years now. And uh, in my travels, I've come across some pastors, and, and they just go ahead and warn me and say, Hey, brother, you know what? It's raining today, so we probably won't have that many people in church. And, and of course, I don't say nothing, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, Raining? Now, if you said it was a blizzard, or, you know, tornadoes are sweeping through the area. I understand it, but it's sprinkling. And so you said there's not going to be many people. It's just a dreary day, you know, and so most folks, when it's like this, they kind of just tend to say, what? I can just see myself now calling my dad and say, hey, dad, you know what? It's, uh, I looked out outside and it's kind of wet. Uh, me and Carmen are going to stay here today. But you talked about the maid's cursing. I'm afraid Keith Hood would, would might drop a few. No, I'm just teasing. Is you crazy? I can hear him right now. Because it has been instilled in my heart. I love church. I said I love church. It's not uncommon for me to be in church six, seven, eight times a week. And I don't feel no ways tired. This is my life. Church is not a part of my life. It is my life. You may be seated. Church is a wonderful gift that God has given to us. One reason among many that we need the church is the encouragement 
that we can receive one from another. How many times have I come to church and life has a way of just beating us down? Life has a way of clogging our minds and slowing us down and come to church kind of dragging in, feeling heavy. Amen. And during the prayer service, somebody comes over and slips an arm over your shoulder and begins to pray with you, begins to encourage you. And you feel lifted up in your spirit. How many times have I sat in a testimony service and somebody began to testify about the great things that God had done? Somebody began to talk about how God made a way out of no way. And, and, and as I sat there, I began to think, God, if you did it for them, surely you can do it for me. How many times have I heard the man of God step behind the sacred desk, open up his Bible and begin to preach, amen, the word of God. And by the time he was finished, amen, you feel so charged up in your spirit, amen, that you feel like you can charge hell with the water pistol. Amen. You feel so good deep down in your soul. And it's all because you came to church and got encouraged. fact the scripture even teaches us if you see a brother overtaken in a fault ye which are spiritual restore such a one amen in the spirit of meekness we are here amen as brothers and sisters in christ and it's my job to do my best by the grace of god to help you get to heaven and it's your job amen to do your best by the grace of god to help me get to heaven The encouragement that we receive is priceless. But with that being said, there, there are times in your walk with God that your victory, your overcoming, if you will, is not based upon. It cannot be based solely upon what others say and what others do. There comes a time in your relationship with God that you simply have to encourage yourself. Is anybody hearing me right now? There comes a time that you have to encourage yourself. There comes a time you can't depend, please don't get me wrong, on your pastor to encourage you. Uh, there comes a time you can't depend upon sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so to encourage you. There comes a time that you've got to have something on the inside of you saying, I'm going to encourage my Self. Preceding our text, we find David. He has grown weary uh, from running from Saul. Saul has sought to take his life, amen, for some time now. And David makes the foolish decision. He says, I'm tired of running from Saul, so I'm going to go and join myself to the Philistines. I'm going to dwell in their land. And so he and all of his men, 600 men and their wives and their sons and daughters, they go and do just that. Amen. David lives there in the land of the Philistines. The Bible tells us for 16 months, he is there for so long that they give him his own place in the land. Remember now, this, this is the sweet singer in Israel. This is the one that God's hand was so mightily, mighty, uh, mightily upon. And now he is in a backslidden condition and he's making some very foolish choices. He's living in the land of the enemy. He becomes the servant of a kish. 
as it often did, the Philistines began to declare war against the children of Israel. And you would think that even though David is, is here and he should not be here, you would think that there would still be something in his heart that says, you know what, I, I'm not really where I need to be, but I just cannot bring myself to fight against God. I cannot bring myself to fight against the people of God. That wasn't the case when the battle uh, was, was, was started and, and it, was, it was noise that there's going to be a war. David jumped up, I mean, ready to fight. He told Akish, hey, you just point us in the right direction. Me and my men, we'll show you what fighting is all about. Just lead us to the battle. And he and his men, the Bible tells us, bring up the rear as there are the armies, the Philistines that are marching before the Lord to, of the Philistines and they're watching each group, each section is coming by, and all of a sudden somebody says, Hey, wait, wait, hold up, wait a minute. Is not that David, the one they sang the songs about that Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. This, this young man and his, his group of fighters, they're not going to go fight with us because if they do, in the heat of the battle, they're going to turn against us and he's going to try to kill us. He's, he's, all he's trying to do is mend his broken relationship with Saul. And he's just a plant. He, he's a Trojan horse, if you will. We're not going to allow David to fight with us in this battle. This was not in the mind of David. This was not his plans. But God allowed the lords of the Philistines to think this to stop David from making the biggest mistake of his life. Are you with me here? Can I just be honest? You got to forgive me because I'm, I'm, I'm a realist. There have been times in my life that if God would have let me do what I wanted to do, always real quiet, some of y'all think, oh my God. I wouldn't be standing up here behind this pulpit tonight. Before, before you put on your Pentecostal pious air and say, I wonder what he's done. I wonder what he, no, no, no. You've got flesh that's corrupt, that's evil, that's dirty, that's filthy, just like everybody else in this room. And in the case of David, he was preparing to fight against God, but God stopped it by allowing the lords of the Philistines to think that he was trying to fight against them. Amen. If you be honest, there have been times in your life, or at least some of you, amen, if you'll be honest, that God stopped you from doing some crazy stuff that would have taken you out of the house of God. I forgot that I'm in Kansas. I'm not in Atlanta. Nobody in Kansas has bad thoughts. Nobody in Kansas ever has a lustful thought. Oh, I'm sure. Some of y'all looking around, y'all getting nervous for some reason. <laughs> if it were not for the mercy of God, God's stopping some things until you can get your mind straight. Some of you wouldn't be sitting here. So David and his men, they're disappointed. They can't go in the fight, and they begin to turn back and make the trek back home to Ziglag. And I can see them as they are journeying, and each man is thinking his own individual thoughts, headed back home. 
all of a sudden they snap to attention as the acrid smell of charred timber burning cloth reaches their nostrils. They understand immediately the only city ahead of us is Ziklag, is home. They look to the sky and they see these billowing clouds of smoke. And they begin to run to the camp. And they can see based on the tracks on the ground that there's been a fight, a battle. Somebody has come in while they were away. These men are screaming the names of their wives, screaming the names of their children, running to and fro, trying to find their son, trying to find their daughter. They realize that they're gone. They begin to weep and to cry. And the scripture said that they wept until they had no more power to weep. They wept until their eyes were swollen shut. Their mouths were agape and no sound Amen. They cried and they cried and they cried. Their faces are swollen. Each man is in pain and sorrow, thinking about his son, his daughter that he'll never see again. Then their minds begin to work and they can no longer shed tears and they say, you know what? David is the reason we're in this situation. David is the reason I'm here. I'm here because David was running from Saul. He brought me along. Bible says that they spake of stoning him. Now, if you get folks begin to pick up some stones and act like you were going to stone me, I guarantee you, you'd see how fast I could move. I've been in some places, praise God, where I thought they were going to do just that. Amen. <laughs> been in the deep south preaching, I thought they were going to do just that. Praise God leave that alone. David looks. He's already in sorrow and pain because his wives are gone and his children are gone. He's been affected by this just like they have. And and, and he's looking to his men to console him. And, And instead of consoling them, they've got stones in their hands and they're muttering and he can hear, oh my goodness, they're about to kill me. He had a church of 600 men. Not one person said, David, hey, I'm telling you, God's going to bring us through this. Not one person patted him on the back and said, David, I believe in you. You are our leader. I'm telling you, I know we're going to, no, no. Nobody had anything positive to say to David. David could have broke down and fallen upon the ground and let the stones rain upon his head until he died. But instead, the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Oh, yeah. Yes, he did. They're they're talking about killing him. They're talking about stoning him. 600 men. There's nowhere to go. But David began to think back in his mind. I believe with all of my heart that David went back just a few years. Amen. When he was just a young lad. Amen. Out there watching his father's sheep. And here comes that lion trying to take one of those little lambs. And, And the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God came upon David. And he wrestled that lamb out of the lion's mouth. In fact, the scripture says he grabbed the lion by his beard. 
he got face to face with that lion. Amen. As he rescued that lamb and he killed that lion. The lion died before he could warn the bear. The bear came with the same idea, the same intentions. Amen. And David grabbed the bear, put him in the headlock, broke his back, DDT'd him. Amen. Whatever you want to call it. But he killed the lion and the bear and he saved the lamb out of their mouths. He thought about the time, amen, that he came on a mission from his father just to deliver a few cheeses to the captains, amen, of the armies of Saul, just to inquire and see how his brethren were faring in the battle. And as he got there, there was a Goliath, there was a giant that was screaming, send me a man. Sound like some of the women in the apostolic church, praise God. Send me a man. <laughs> that, we, that we may fight, praise God. That's about the size of it, too. And he remembered how that God moved upon him. And everybody else was afraid. Everybody else from the king on down ran. And they were afraid of this giant. But he, with a sling and a stone, amen, he slew that giant. He cut off his head. I believe David went back in his mind to all of these times that God brought him through. And the more he thought, the better he felt. The more he encouraged himself, the better he felt about his present circumstance and his present situation nobody to encourage him but David encouraged himself and he calls for Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, and says, bring me to the ephod. It's time to have a prayer meeting. It's time to talk to God. I'm in a desperate situation. Amen. He didn't have time to fold his hands and go through some long dissertation. Amen. These men were wanting to take his life. I believe he got straight to the point. In fact, the Bible tells us what he said. He didn't even say, dear God. I No, no, no. He just said, Lord, shall I pursue? Tell me quick, Lord. They're coming. Shall I pursue after this? Oh, I feel something right here. Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And it seemed like God was just sitting on ready. He said, pursue. It seemed like to me, God said, David, all that time you spent crying, all that time you spent complaining, all that time you spent bellyaching, you should have come to me in the first place. I already got an answer for you. He said, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. God said, no doubt. Hear me, boy. You're going to get back everything that you lost. Dry your weeping eyes. Quit your crying. Quit your moan. You're going to overtake and recover. I want to preach to somebody here in this place. I'm not going to be much longer, but I want to tell somebody it's time for you to encourage yourself and then recover all. Somebody's been down in the dumps and somebody's been defeated. Somebody here, the devil's been kicking you around like a football. Some of you here, the devil, amen, has had his way for far too long in your life. It's time for you to stand up and encourage yourself. Hallelujah. Somebody.
somebody here tonight. Uh, your zigzag has been burned with fire. It seemed like all hope is lost. Amen. You and I have the privilege of the word of God. And we read this story and we understand that the Amalekites came and the Bible says they stole or they took away, amen, the wives and the children of, the, of, David's, of David and his men. Amen. But as far as they knew, everything was gone. As far as they knew, their wives and their children were dead. Amen. I want to tell somebody here, the enemy has come in your life. Amen. He's taken some things. He's stolen some things, but he has not slain them. But the scripture teaches that the thief cometh not but for to steal. But he doesn't stop there. And to kill and to destroy. So what you need to do as a child of God, when you recognize that the adversary has stolen some things from you, it's time to get up and go get it. You can sit around and point your finger and say, if brother so-and-so would have done this, if pastor would do, no, no, no. Just get up and go get your stuff that the adversary has taken from you. Because the longer, amen, that what the enemy has stolen from you stays in his possession, the more likely it is that he's going to have a knife to the throat of that thing. Because he didn't come just to steal. He wants to kill and destroy. I know this is a youth service, but maybe there's a parent here that you lost your children. Uh, maybe maybe there's somebody here you lost your spouse. And maybe there's some young person here you lost your parents. And maybe there's somebody here that you lost your peace. And you've lost your joy. And you lost your prayer life. And I know I'm talking to somebody right here. Somebody here. Amen. You ain't been praying like you know you need to pray. Amen. And when you try to go and get your prayer life back, it seems like you're bumping up against a wall. It seems like your prayers are going unheard. It seems like the heavens are brass. I want to tell you to stay there. Until you get a word from God. Make up your mind. I'm not leaving until I touch heaven. I'm not leaving until I pray through. I'm not leaving until I receive what I need. Bible tells us that David and his men, uh, they, they can see the difference in David. After he has had this talk with the Lord, they, they, it appears like this is their old leader. This is the one they're used to following. This is the one they're used to, amen, to leading them around. And, they, and they, they join together with David again. And they know they've got a word from God that they're going to pursue, overtake, and recover. Pursue, overtake, and recover. I can just see them as they begin their journey. And they're going along. They're feeling confident. They're feeling, they're feeling faith like God's going to give it back to them. Amen. And all of a sudden, as they're journeying, they come upon, amen, an Egyptian that is laying there sick. Looks like he's dead. He's laying there upon the sand. Amen. They pull the smelling salts out, slap him around a little bit and wake him up and say, okay, now where'd you come from? Who are you? And he says, look, I, I, I'm an Egyptian. I'm the servant uh, of an Amalekite. I fell sick a few days ago. And my masters, instead of killing me, they just threw me right here to die. Amen. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. Amen. Do, do you understand that God... Because he knows the ending from the beginning. He already knew that David was going to have a talk with him. And a few days before, he allowed a servant of the very people 
that stole everything from David. He allowed a servant of them to get sick and for him to be left there in the way. Amen. And now David, he, he wakes him up and he says, take me to your leader. Take me to the Amalekites. And now they've got a guide. They've got somebody leading them. I can take you right to where they are. Just promise me you're not going to kill me. Just promise me you're not going to turn me over to my masters. Here goes David and his men. Amen. They're following their newfound guide. And I can just see as they reach a hill. Amen. And this Egyptian, this servant, he points and he says, look, there they go down there. David and his men peek over the brow of the hill. And they look and they can see the Amalekites. And the Bible tells us in verse 16 of 1 Samuel, and when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing. The enemy was having a party. The enemy was rejoicing over the great spoil that they had taken, amen, out of the land of the Philistines. And I can see David and his men as they're looking this way and that way. And they can see their kids tied up over here behind the tree. They can see their wives huddled together in fear, shaking, wondering what is to become of them. And their hackles are raised and they're just waiting. David, give us the word. Just get, And we're going to descend into this valley. We're going we're gonna to cut them to shreds. Devil, you just, you just wait. We're going to get back everything we lost. I know you're standing. I got, I got to tell this story. This just came to my mind. Hey man, I remember as a little boy, hey man, I was in elementary school. I don't know, maybe first, second grade. And me and my brother would be on the back porch playing and having a good time. And there was a next door neighbor. He was in high school. I don't know, maybe ninth grade. And he, he just seemed like such a big boy. His name was Antoine, and me and my brother were deathly afraid of Antoine. He, he was in high school, you see, and we were just amen, a couple of elementary kids. And so we'd be on the back porch, and he would be across the yard on his back porch, amen, at the second story with the BB gun shooting us. And, man, we'd be running scared half out of our minds. Hey man, we see Antoine and we run in the house. Forget about playing outside. And I don't know why, but for some reason, we did not even think to tell our parents. We were just so deathly afraid. We thought maybe Antoine would kill our parents too. We just would play inside. And I remember one such day we were outside playing and, and, and uh, Antoine came outside and he, he took aim and he was shooting us. I believe he shot my brother in the ear that day. He shot me in the chest and... And we were running. We, we ran as fast as we could, jumped the back porch, ran the house, and, and Dad was home. What are y'all doing? Uh, nothing. Why, why you come running in here so fast? What? Uh, no, no reason. Uh, what's wrong with you, boy? Uh, Antoine, the next-door neighbor, is shooting us. What? got to know my dad. How long has this been going on? For a long time. i never forget what amazed my dad stormed out of the house. He slammed that door and he walked across the yard to the next door neighbor's house. And he knocked. Oh my God, it's the last time I've ever seen my dad. Antoine is in ninth grade. He's a big boy. Antoine swung open the door. My dad is standing there. 
All of a sudden, Antoine don't look so bad no more. And I never forget what my dad said. He didn't say, how are you doing? Is your name Antoine? He just simply said these words, the party is over. He didn't say the party. He said the party is over. We never had to worry anymore about Antoine shooting us. When we went outside, we didn't we didn't shake in fear about this big ninth grader that had a BB gun. Why? Because daddy went to his house and dad said, I come to bust up your party. I'm preaching to some people. You ought to say, devil, you party long enough in my life. You party long enough in my mind. I'm going to declare victory in the name of Jesus Christ. I wish somebody tonight will say, devil, the party is over. I'm going to pursue, overtake, and recover. I'm going to pursue, overtake, and recover. Somebody tonight ought to tell the devil, the party is over. Satan, you've danced long enough. It's my time to dance. It's my time to rejoice. It's my time to shout the victory. You beat me down for far too long. I understand that greater is he that dwells in me. Somebody needs to encourage yourself and recover all in the name of Jesus. I know the devil's taking some stuff from you. I know you've lost some stuff down through the years. But tonight in this service, you can get back everything you lost. If there's a desire, if there's a hunger in you, God told me to tell you, pursue, overtake, and recover. Hallelujah. I'm quitting here tonight. But not only did David get back what he lost, but the Bible tells us specifically that there was some spoil that the Amalekites had taken from others and that they had, the Bible said, the cattle that they drove before the other cattle. David got back his uh, and he got back what the enemy already had. Uh, that means he got back more than what he lost. Ah, my, 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 my. I want to tell somebody, you can be better than ever before. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. There's a God in here that can restore you, not just to where you were, but he can put your father. He can put your father in the name of Jesus. Ah, my God, my God, my God. Hallelujah. I got to say this. I, I, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Brother, you driving me crazy. I feel like preaching here. Setbacks. Hear me now. Setbacks are setups for a comeback. Some of y'all didn't catch that. I'm going to say that again. Setbacks are
our setups for a comeback. Uh, it's time for somebody in this service tonight to make the comeback of your life. Say, I'm in it to win it. I'm not going nowhere. My mind is made up to go with Jesus all of the way. Let the trials come. Let the temptations come. Let people do what they want to do. I'm in it for the long haul. Somebody give God some praise. Somebody give God some glory. Whatever you've lost, you can get it back tonight. Whatever you've lost, you can get it back tonight. Somebody lift your hands and begin to worship him right now. Somebody begin to glorify God right now. Lift up your voice.